You're listening to the Dental Sherpas Podcast, where we make it easier to transform your practice, get out of the chair, and into the life you want. Hey, docs. Dr. Sed Lewis here. We're always looking to add great docs to our team. What we have created is a practice that's literally built for you to shine. Hey, and guess what? You get to practice dentistry in paradise here in Hawaii. If you're at all interested and are exploring a position in our practice, please contact me at Dr. Lewis at KakuaSmiles.com. That's Dr. Period Lewis, L E W I S, at Kokua, K O K U A, smiles.com. Love to hear from you. Can't wait to speak to you. Hey, folks, welcome back to another episode. We hope it's an exciting episode. We think it's going to be an exciting episode. Or let me just boldly say, said that it is going to be an exciting yes. episode of the Dental yes. Sherpas podcast. We're uh, in the middle of a series right now called How to Stay at the Top. And so I'm excited to uh, dive into our next topic there, Said. But before we get to that, man, how are things with you? Uh, things are great, man. I just came from a, a great uh, weekend with my family. Uh, as you guys all know, I'm, I live in Hawaii and, uh, you know, the tourists are finally coming back. So it's exciting for our economy. A little nerve wracking because we're, we're so used to things being a little quiet and uh, we're social distancing and all the things we need to protect ourselves. But suddenly we're seeing our beaches filled, people having a great time and, it's so nice, but uh, you know, I, I was just happy just to kind of get in the beach out at Waikiki and see people out and see people smiling and surfing and enjoying themselves. So uh, had a great time. How are you doing, Matt? Oh man, I'm doing great. You know, it's funny you say it like that. The way you said it, I like it. I'm connected, pretty well connected with some uh, mental health professionals and therapists and all of that here in the Nashville area. And they just talked a lot about how folks are really struggling with social anxiety getting back into, you know, the swing of things and, you know, that uh, because we have really kind of created new habits and formed new habits and new psychological, you know, pathways, you know, in our brain, all that kind of stuff. So um, it, it's, it's much more challenging uh, what I'm trying to say than just, oh, we were locked down and now we open back up and everything's okay. Right. But, but things in Nashville are, are, are starting to move that way. And I was telling you before we started recording, my son's playing AAU basketball and we had our first big tournament. And, you know, that was fun to kind of be just, you know, around a lot of people and, um, yeah, you know, just things feeling, you know, a little bit back to normal and uh, not feeling so robbed of things by this uh, pandemic and, yeah. and, uh, and not knowing how to respond to it. So, um, so that's great. You know, I also want to say here at the beginning of the podcast that we continue to get great feedback. And just want to put a bug in everybody's ear to say it like we would say in the South, um, to please interact with us on dentalsherpaspod.com, dentalsherpaspod.com. I had a great conversation with a, a dentist last week uh, just around what's happening in his practice and how his mindset is shifting because of the way that uh, we're talking and challenging him. And so we're excited about that. Uh, and as I've said before, it does two things for us. Number one, it kind of puts wind in our sails and kind of helps us go, man, this is really having an impact and we want to keep going, gives us energy. Uh, and then it also helps us maybe kind of to know where to go next. So uh, thanks for your interaction there. Uh, we appreciate that. We are uh, in the process of working on some more tools that we can create community with. And so we're excited about that. I want to plug Dr. Sed's book. It'll be coming out here soon. So pay attention to that uh, website. And obviously when it comes out, we'll promote it here uh, and tell you details uh, about how to get there. So we got a lot happening, Sed. Things are Things are moving along. Pretty fun. Yeah, moving and shaking, Matt. Here we go. <laughs> moving and shaking. Well, with yeah. that, let's get into our topic again, just to set it up for folks. Uh, we've talked about how to climb the mountain to that place where being able to choose to do dentistry rather than having to do dentistry becomes your option, right? It's that place where no longer 
you have to be in the chair in order to make money for the company. That's the, the mountain that we've been talking about climbing. And so now we're in a series about, hey, once you get to the top, there are some things you need to pay attention to in order to stay at the top. I'll say it again. I, I like this phrasing. What I heard you say was, you don't have to apply pressure to everything anymore, but you do have to monitor and apply pressure to some things. And so we've identified those some things, and that's what this, what this series is about. So we've talked about uh, uh, several things. Please go back and listen to our previous episodes. But, uh, but let's talk about today's topic, Sid. What's the, the topic for today that you need to pay attention to to make sure you stay at the top once you get to that place where doing dentistry becomes optional? Yeah, so today I'd like to talk about, we'll call it the, the fourth thing in our list of keeping on top, and I'm going to call it uh, monitoring your performance or tracking your performance. And in the yeah. dental world, that's for us, it's basically measuring and monitoring your KPIs and metrics. And the reason that's so important is because unless you follow the dashboard of your practice, you have no idea how you're doing. And even though you get to a point where the practice is extremely well, doesn't mean you take your eye off the ball. And in fact, in many cases, it means you put even more time and effort into monitoring those KPI numbers because that is the best way you know how to basically see where the small, for lack of a better term, problems are and where the opportunities are. And so that's an incredible, should say, sorry, a critical part of making sure you stay on top. Yeah, it's great. So um, we were talking, you know, we've done some podcasts where we've done a deep dive into what those KPIs that you monitor are and what in our, our philosophy and our model are very important um, indicators, right, for, for how the practice is performing. So we've talked about that. Please go back. Uh, they're clearly labeled. I forget which episode it is, but uh, please go back and find that one if you want a little more deep dive. I think we might need to do a little bit of deep dive in that uh, today, but tell me about what your thought process is around climbing the mountain right? These are the things that you need to be monitoring while you're climbing the mountain, while you're building this organization that gets right. you to this place where doing dentistry is optional mm -hmm. versus once you're there, like what's the mindset there um, mm -hmm. or, or your thought process, right? So we've got all these things that we monitor about how to growth and which levers mm -hmm. to pull to get to growth. But once you get, you know, to the place where doing dentistry becomes optional, um, tell me about why those continue to be very important. Sure. So I'll just kind of give kind of more of a broad strokes kind of idea of exactly what we usually follow when we go to the top of the mountain. And some of these things many of you have heard before, but we're obviously looking at production. We're looking at collection. Uh, we're, in, in my case, sometimes it hasn't done by all dentists. We're looking at hygiene uh, visits to the practice. Uh, we're looking at treatment plan acceptance. Uh, we're looking at the value of each hygiene exam. And we're also looking at, for lack of a better term, the hygiene capacity in the practice. And that's something yeah. I track on a regular basis in the, in, the, in the practice. Now, you know, everyone, you know, in the world talks about how you're tracking things like production and collection. That makes it pretty self-explanatory. Some people will look at things like new patients. They'll look at, uh, you know, recare patients coming back. And those are hygiene, all incredibly hygiene revenue or revenue hygiene from the revenue hygiene department. A lot of people Correct. look at that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And those are all great in terms of building your, your dashboard, so to speak, to kind of keep tracking as you go and move up into the, the realm of getting to the top of the mountain, so to speak. Uh, but one thing that does happen when you start getting to the point where your practice becomes fairly large and you get to a point where the practice is growing and continually getting larger and more complex, some of the biggest things that I would challenge those on top is there's two things I'm really, really critical about watching on a constant basis. And for me, that's 
the hygiene capacity of the practice. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is the value of each hygiene exam. Those are the two things that sometimes I keep talking about it, but even at the point where we've grown pretty large at this point, I'm always watching that. And for me, the most important one is the capacity issue. You may have heard me say in past podcasts about the idea that many people get caught in the realm of thinking, hey man, I've got my hygiene all booked out. It's super filled and it's great. It's, there's, not a, there's not one space for any room. I must be doing wonderful. Well, I'm a little different than most docs in how I think about that. I get very nervous when I start seeing my hygiene schedule pack up full. And the reason being, that's a clear indication to me that I don't have any space for new patients or the most important thing that people forget about your recare patients. They can't get back in because as many of you have heard from me in the past, our model is set up to basically accommodate people's lifestyles, meaning that they come in after or before work or the weekends, which means we're putting a majority of our hygiene patients in those spots. And if I start to see my hygiene schedule fill up, that's a clear indication to me from a standpoint of running the, running the company that we haven't done a good job in actually increasing capacity to ensure we can still accommodate new patients and, re and return patients for our practice. So that's a one important concept that many people tend to forget about because when they get to that point in that rarefied air and they think, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. I've got a packed schedule. You can't even, you know, I'm booked out months in advance. What a wonderful feeling. And I would challenge you to believe and start to think about that is not so wonderful. You're setting yourself up for failure because you've literally squeezed or for that matter, constricted the level of your ability of your practice to accommodate your same patients who you brought back into the, into the practice and you squeeze the ability for new people to come into your practice. Yeah, it's a little bit we forget. It's like I was listening to somebody the other day talk about the airline industry. And, you know, they said, uh, you know, the airline industry, uh, it seems like their their business model is we're not happy until you're angry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think part of that is because it there's such a major um ramp up to build competition right to compete so so if i'm if i'm upset with my you know delta experience not to pick on delta mm -hmm. we could say any name but if i'm yeah. upset with my delta experience for me to go out and open a competing airline would take so much infrastructure and years and years and billions of dollars before i was ever even on the radar to taking some, you know, customers away from Delta, right? So they're sitting a little bit fat and happy. But one of the things that I've heard you and others say, and that I've experienced myself, is that the dental practice is a really fragile ecosystem. And it can go, any success that you have in any, uh, you know, uh, measured by new patients or hygiene visits or full schedules, that can go away really quickly. And I have seen mm -hmm. so many doctors kind of standing in the rubble of a, you know, full schedule and them just feeling fat and happy. And the next thing they know, they feel like they blink and they look around and they go, what happened to right. my practice? Everything crumbled. I got bill collectors calling me. What's happening, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks to a little bit what you're, what you're talking about, right? We're forgetting exactly what got us there. It's important to focus on, hey, give the patient what they want to build the practice. But also when you're there, you can't change. At that right. point, once you build it up to that rarefied air that you were talking about, you can't change. And that's the danger, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the thing I, I and you're bringing up again is that, and I use, use a term that can happen very quickly. I have seen it even in my own practice where, let's say, for example, I've got, taken my off the ball and I have not added another hygiene lane or, or hired another hygienist to a point where I've seen the practice literally drop. Like, and, and, and I'm talking, this is pure dollars now. 
I've seen the practice drop like $100,000 in a month because I didn't do it right. And I just know, again, we were able to recover because you quickly catch yourself. But I just cost the practice and I cost team bonuses and I cost doctors money because I didn't have my eye on the ball and making sure as a leader, I was telling my managers, hey, we need some more hygiene here. Hey, we need to talk about maybe basically building another chair here it's because those are the things that inevitably they call it, you know, the, the growth pains that typically happen. And unless you're mm -hmm. able to kind of accommodate that, like Matt is saying, there's going to be some dire consequences that can happen to you if you don't get yourself ready for it. That's right. That's right. And again, we're, we're talking about dental practices, right? Mm -hmm. We're running a dental practice. We're not mm -hmm. running an airline or my son and I went to this great uh, new restaurant uh, for breakfast after his basketball game this weekend. And mm -hmm. it's a, it's a biscuit place. I won't say their name, but just fantastic. Right. And they're really about creating community while you're waiting in line to order your food. They, there's a person out there kind of hosting you and getting to know you a little bit and telling you about their philosophy and saying things like, and listen, we cook everything fresh. If it comes out to you, if it's a little bit cool, if it's not fresh at all, we it would be our pleasure to remake it for you. We want you to know where you're important. And it was this really cool kind of atmosphere and, and community. And, and instead of writing your you know, giving them your name for your order for them to call out. They have a question of the month. And the question this month was, what, were your what was your favorite cartoon growing up? Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're yelling out, you know, Looney Tunes. And somebody stands up and everybody looks over there and it's like, oh yeah, I like Looney Tunes too. You know, so it's, like this, it's like this community experience. So they're creating yeah. this thing. And plus the food was just, I mean, it's Southern biscuits and fried chicken. And I mean, it's waffles and chicken. I mean, it's just amazing, right? Health food, it's, you mean? There you go. That's right. It, it, it's, it, it's such a community and such a product that people want that they'll, that they'll wait in line for it. Yeah. That's not true in the dental practice. Mm -mm. They don't want to wait in line for it. No, no, we're not serving biscuits and gravy in our place. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So yeah. say, let me ask you this. How do you uh, practically monitor that mm -hmm. capacity? Yeah, so what we do is we, we, we have found that this has been through research and I'm gonna again give uh, credit to the wonderful Dr. Bickling out of Baltimore who put together this great study on exactly when is the right time to be putting more capacity into practice. And he did this great study all done on like, I don't know if it was an algorithm he did or just over just numerous spreadsheets he did on his practices and found out that at 65%, unless you're adding another hygienist or another lane to accommodate more new patients and recall patients. Inevitably, in the next six months, you're already constricting growth. You're already finding a way to make sure you don't have the ability to grow anymore. So 65% is our new 100%, we keep saying. Is at that point, you know, at 65%, you have to be thinking ahead of the game, adding more capacity. That's typically yep. what we do. Gotcha. Okay. So you're, and you're talking about 65% of your hygiene schedule. Correct. Hygiene right. schedule, exactly. Looking at hygiene schedule on, and again, not just as a benefit, as a benefit of looking at the entire schedule. I'm talking about the prime time, meaning that, that you know, for us, that means before and after work, and especially the weekends. So, as much as people tend to look at their weekends, who, who are open weekends, and go, "Man, this is wonderful. I'm just stacked in there. I'm packed in there." When I see that, and I see the fact that we're so packed in and we don't have any openings, that gets me nervous. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So we've talked about uh, um, mm -hmm. capacity being mm -hmm. uh, a metric that you pay attention to. You also yep. mentioned that um, revenue or production 
mm-hmm. per hygiene visit. Talk about that, why that's important, because I've seen this yeah. as a huge uh, in dental practices as well, a huge contributing factor to doctors standing in the rubble of going, yes. what just happened, right? right. Uh, and when right. we diagnose, we find something happened in that production per hygiene visit. Yeah, and so that, the reason that's so critical is because that is a number that gives you a really good idea of why it's so important to accommodate more hygiene. So like basically the, hygiene, the production per hygiene visit equates to the following. It's basically the average production that comes out of basically a patient visit to you restoratively from the total amount of hygiene visits you did. So for example, you take the total amount of hygiene visits you did, right? Divide that into, I believe, the the total production of that particular month you did. And that should give you an average number of how much each hygiene visit was worth. Not saying that every single patient was worth this much money, but an average number based on the amount of visits that came through. And the reason that's so important is because that sets the mindset for all of your entire organization, why it's so critical to have more hygiene coming in. Because you can almost, you literally bank on it. To use the term bank on it is not, you know, really a, 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 you know, a poor term use. It's actually a very accurate term because the more hygiene that comes in, you're going to see that average number go higher and higher. So if you can basically almost set your clock to it, like if you want to do more production, you just add a certain amount more hygiene visits and you're going to be able to add that production to your office. So the mm-hmm. reason that's so critical when you get to that level of being extremely robust and busy, and more importantly, you get to that, that top, so to speak, you've always got to be accommodating that because just like we talked about earlier, if you're not being able to understand that every hygiene is basically important to basically provide more productivity back into the practice. Inevitably, you're going to be, again, squeezing the ability of your practice to grow and stay on top, more important. Right, right, right. Well, and I, you know, when I learned this model years ago, you and some others taught it to me, it, it was so, uh, it was just so intuitive to me. Uh, it made so much sense. Instead of looking at your restorative schedule, and, you know, seeing that maybe you're booked out to a certain amount and you've got a certain amount of production on the books, right? Um, that's really unpredictable, right? Because, you know, people don't show up for that stuff, you know, um, you're booked out maybe two weeks. Well, how are you filling up, you know, the third week and the fourth week? Mm-hmm. And it, it right. kind of becomes this um, uh, uh, real volatile emotionally, you know, uh, and volatile cash flow, you know, for the business, mm-hmm. that process. So it makes so much sense to understanding that, you know, the, the hygiene is that, uh, that top of the funnel, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. And knowing that what every hygiene visit equates to in terms of revenue for the practice um, mm-hmm. is so critical and so valuable. I've also seen, um, and I'd love for you to comment maybe on this a little bit. I've also seen practices where we've gone in there and looked and said, okay, we got your hygiene visits up. They were up. You added your capacity. You were on mm-hmm. that, you know, up into the, you know, right, you know, kind of trajectory if we were graphing it, but your right. production didn't match or your production dropped. What right. happened there? And when we go in yeah. and diagnose that production per hygiene visit, mm-hmm. we find that all kinds of things might be happening underneath there, right? And so it's kind of right. this indicator right. light, kind of like a check yeah. engine light, right? That check engine Absolutely. light comes on. It doesn't tell you, at least on my car, it doesn't tell me exactly what's wrong. It's just saying, hey, man, you need to do some diagnosis here. And they make a computer that plugs into the car and it tells you all the things that were happening underneath. Yeah. And that's kind of right. true. I, I really like that production for hygiene visit because there's so many things that could be 
happening. Talk about some mm-hmm. of the things that could be happening, like associates, not yeah. noticing, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Talk about let's that. let's speak to that. Your, your, your thing about like when you see someone who's got a whole bunch more hygiene visits, but all of a sudden they start seeing their production for hygiene visits go down. Let's say, for example, in my practice, we have found that that value is about $660, around that mm-hmm. number, sometimes $700 for, for hygiene visits, which is a pretty strong number in regards to, it's a national average for those who track it. Now, we've seen other doctors, and Matt knows probably some people and some practices who've had situations where all of a sudden their hygiene spikes, but rather than being at $700 a hygiene visit, they're looking at like $300, maybe $250 a hygiene yes. visit, which might seem like, hey, well, they're just being conservative. They're just taking care of the patient, not being as, as uh, proactive on diagnostics. But what I have seen is that typically means in that particular practice, probably, there's almost too much hygiene exams handling for that one doctor. So the doctor is doing what we, per, we call the proverbial drive-by exam. They're basically seeing so much hygiene. They're just trying to get through the exam process and their diagnostics are being, for lack of a better term, they're being curtailed. They're not being done in the right way. Like they're maybe not seeing things or letting things like go that maybe need to be treated. They're watching a lot of things that probably need to be treated and from a standpoint of the patient's needs. And so what ends up happening as a byproduct of that is that all of a sudden that hygiene production number goes down. That's one yeah. thing I have seen quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on the other side, I've seen the same situation. I've seen practices where all of a sudden the hygiene visit gets extremely high. Let's say, for example, it goes into that $1,000 plus range, sometimes really high. And that might seem like a wonderful thing, like, oh, man, that doctor is really good about closing treatment. They're really good about providing better productivity from it. But I would warn the doctor that's not sustainable because you might get the patient to do that one time or you might get your patient pulled to live in that, that world of high productivity off the exam. But inevitably, that typically means to me that you're swinging for the fences, that inevitably what's happening is that you're trying to push too much treatment, which may work the first time. It ain't working the second time. And again, I'll go to the wonderful Dr. Bickling again. He taught me something that's called the likability factor. Mm -hmm. And Bobby Hansen talks about this. Bobby Hansen Mm -hmm. is uh, the owner of 20, I'm sorry, the CEO of uh, Treatment Mm 24-7, in which they track the behaviors of patients when it comes to treatment plan uh, presentations. And what they have found is that if you exceed out of like, out of, let's say out of pocket or, or a patient's co-payment, if you exceed over $1,000 of that value to the patient in terms of what they have to pay, inevitability, your treatment acceptance and your loyalty from that patient dives down drastically. So those are the things that how Matt is talking about while it's so it's such a great thing to track because it literally shows you how your practice is doing. And you can then interpret based on the number of performance how the progress is doing in that category. Yeah, and it's just simple math, right? I mean, it's just simply dividing that uh, total production by the number of hygiene visits, and that gives you your production for hygiene visits. So it's very simple and easy to track. It's not very complicated. You know, we had Bobby uh, Hansen, Treatment 24-7, on our podcast. So if you haven't heard that, please go back and listen to his episode. And one of the the statistics that he gave us that just sticks out to me so much is that 70% of all treatment walks out without being accepted in the average practice around the country. And the treatment, treatment acceptance goes up 45%, I think was the number that he said, 45% if you keep the out-of-pocket under $1,000. Um, right. so, exactly. so that's huge. And I have been, you know, uh, with doctors who, you know, want to kind of walk around and puff their chest a little bit and say, oh man, you know, my treatment, my production per hygiene visit is 1500 or $1,800. And it's like, oh, wait a second. Um, yeah. it's, it's just a signal that the practice um, as a whole doesn't understand the philosophy mm-hmm. and, and is not really playing the long-term game. Uh, right. But is trying to take those quick hits 
um, yeah. and get that done at the beginning. It's also kind of speaking to the, the other side, I've also noticed too, um, that you know when you uh, bring on associates so that you can get mm-hmm. out of the chair, that right. number becomes a great number to track to be able mm-hmm. to have conversations with them around places that right. they need help. It may not right. be that they're overwhelmed with the, the treatment um, mm-hmm. or excuse me, with the exams, like you said, that, that certainly mm-hmm. may be it, right? right. Just right. doing drive-by. They just right. may need help. We may need to send them to some courses. Right. We may need, may need to give them some yeah. help around yeah. diagnosing and you know understanding what they're looking at a little bit better. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, I'm glad you brought the associate component, but I was going to answer or at least add to your discussion was in some cases, there are doctors out there, those solo guys who can get away with the $1,500 and higher because they're in a situation or practice where they're highly skilled, they're great communicators, they can accommodate. But again, we're talking about that practice that basically gets you out of the chair, right? That's what we're talking about. We're not, I mean, we're not, there's nothing wrong with a guy who wants to be in there. And again, I would challenge you how long that would last based on our bodies and our minds and how, you know, what I talked about before other podcasts and how it does at some point provide diminishing returns and it will beat you up. But again, there are practices out there, but I would challenge you if you want to have that transformative practice in which you're out of the chair or you have the option to get out of the chair, you're going to have to develop some type of system that will allow you to probably keep this going in which you bring associates and like Matt's talking about, you're basically providing a system that gets the practice to continue to grow and do extremely well from a productivity standpoint without you doing the dentistry. I would argue that Bobby Hansen's studies and then Dr. Bicklin's studies about the likability factor and what Matt just said about being under $1,000 in their co-payments is going to have huge, huge um, repercussions if you don't do it that way. That's right. Well, and, and it goes back to our, our previous points that we've made. That doctor, yes, they do exist. In fact, I know one here in the Nashville area, right? Mm-hmm. And he is yep. a superstar. Everybody loves right. him. He's really yeah. gifted with his hands, really gifted mm-hmm. communication, communicator, all of that stuff. And he sat down next to me one day, or actually I sat at his conference table in his mm-hmm. uh, office and he said, man, I produce a ton. He said, but nobody yeah. wants to buy my practice. So mm-hmm. I can't sell my practice. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm sitting here staring, I'm 56 years old and I'm staring at selling this practice and nobody wants it because they know I'm going to leave, right? And this mm-hmm. practice is built on me doing it. And so we've said before, you can build that type of superstar focused practice. Mm-hmm. But what we're talking about is, you know, building that practice where an associate can come in and can do the, you know, $500, $800, you know, $2,000 with a $1,000 out of pocket, you know, type right. of procedures. We're not, right. we don't have to do uh that level of that superstar doctor type of type of work. Yeah, absolutely. That, and that's the great thing we talk about. That's why I'm glad we're having this discussion is that this is the KPIs and the metrics that you can track. And if you're going to be tracking these, if you can create systems, you can create metrics and KPIs that are going to allow you to basically follow and, and guide your associate doctors so they can be highly successful in using some of the things I'm talking about doing. So we talk about what's really important in doing it this way is because if you want to be out of the chair, if you want to be at the proverbial top of the mountain, you have to get comfortable tracking these things. I think it can't be you leading the way and for lack of a better term, being the, the top dog in the practice doing the heavy grinding and heavy lifting for yourself because inevitably you're still in a position where you're the guy driving the production of the practice. You're the guy who's taking all the stress for lack of a better term, all the weight of the world and getting there so that's why it's number four in my list because get yourself out of the chair, right? And into, for lack of a better term, your life by actually tracking the practice rather than being in the practice, 
be working on the practice by looking at these things so you can actually develop a practice that will allow you to have other doctors help you do that rather than you want, you're being the one who has to, to burden yourself with all the work there. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, that doctor said to me was, um, he said, you know, every time I go on vacation, yeah, I have to shut my practice down. Yeah. I bet. Right. I know what he's going to say. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, oh man, um, with a practice that is operating the way that you're talking about in the model that you have and mm -hmm. with paying attention and tracking these, you know, most important metrics, it really does create a situation where, you know, you can leave town, you can go sit on the beach. And as long as you're getting these numbers, we're not saying forever, because there's a lot of stuff that you have to kind of manage and monitor, as yeah. you, you know, sure. kind of said, but you can know, if you understand these metrics, and all of the underlying issues that would cause that dial, so to speak, to change, mm -hmm. or that right. indicator, that red light check engine indicator to come on, then mm -hmm. really you can sit at the beach or you can sit somewhere and look at those things and know exactly what's happening in your practice and know exactly when you need to get involved because, oh, this is, this, this is kind of telling me um, exactly where uh, our issues are in the practice because you're monitoring those numbers, right? A absolutely. And I think that's the one thing that I would take the take home for today is, is that you can actually be out of the chair and see these things and be headed like reports and see these KPIs and to see metrics. So it is no longer a situation where we have to wait to the end of the month to go, well, how did we do? You're knowing on a day-to-day -day basis. In fact, in a really sophisticated practice is you're on an hour-to-hour -hour basis on how you're doing in regards mm -hmm. to tracking these numbers for yourself. So mm -hmm. it may seem a little bit daunting and a little bit kind of intimidating, but I think once you can get a good system and there's software programs out there, yeah. like Matt and I have talked about, there's software programs, there's several of them out there and there's some robust ones out there that actually you can actually go into your software or into your patient management system and actually spit out these numbers and provide you these uh, reports on a regular basis so you can see for yourself how you're doing. So mm -hmm. I just think it's one of those things that sometimes dentists out there think of it like, oh, well, you're just uh, running a business. Well, yeah, you are. I mean, I hate, let's just call it what it is. You're running a business. And if you want to get to the point where you're not the one driving yourself into the ground trying to do all the dentistry, this is the stuff you have to get proficient with. That's exactly right. You know, the Four Seasons is running a business as well, you know, yeah, and, right. and yet they can, you know, monitor things and create a, a situation where people will pay exorbitant right. amounts of money to stay on their properties because they're providing what their ideal client, their ideal, mm -hmm. you know, hotel stay person, if that's that's terrible phrasing, but uh, their ideal client wants and they're yep. willing to pay for it to get, you know, so, yes. um, you know, I, I was uh, one last little uh, illustration. I got a, a a new little fitness tracker, um, and uh, that I wear on my arm, and I've got access to all of this data now, right? I mean, it's like really robust. I'll show it to you sometime, said. I mean, it, mm. it's tracking things. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And so people ask me all the time, they're like, "How do you like it?" And I'm like, "Well, man, I got this app, and I can look at all kind of stuff. But what I don't have is I don't have anybody telling me, hey." These are the three most important things you need to look at. Right. And this right. is what this means. And see, this thing over here is being affected by this thing, right? So mm -hmm. be careful sometimes with the software packages. Know what you're looking at. Because yeah. I'll have yeah. dentists all the time. They'll pull up their app and they'll be like, oh, I've got, you know, XYZ app. <laughs> look at this, man. And it's showing me, oh, yeah. I got a, I got yeah. a $15,000 day on the schedule today. Well, yeah. I mean, that's on the Maybe schedule. Right. Yeah. But what are we really? <laughs> so I like, I, I'm enjoying our discussion here. And I think it's very important to say, hey, look, there's, 
and I think we've said it before, there's a million yep. things you can track in the dental practice, right? Yep. Um, but understanding, and, and we're not saying any, tracking any of those things are bad, but mm -hmm. understanding, you know, through uh, lots of trial and error and, you know, data and testing and, you know, uh, uh, all of that kind of stuff, what we have seen, what you have seen is that, hey, there's these four or five things that really mm -hmm. are the entry point that you need to be tracking on an hour by hour basis. And then that's going to help you get into everything else that you need to in yeah. your own practice. So um, it's not all that sophisticated, except it is sophisticated in that, you know, somebody told me the other day, the most sophisticated people can take complex things and make them very, very simple. And so I guess what I'm, I'm giving us a pat on the back, said, give hey, us a pat go. on the back. We're, <laughs> we're, we're sophisticated, we're trying to make it simple, right? There's four or five things yeah, uh, that right. you need to, that you need to track uh, to understand. Right. Uh, and don't forget about those things because it does get, once you get to that place where you are out of the chair, now there is, there, our good friend of us, our said it like, says it like this. He says, you know, the bias of, of nature is to the wild, right? I mean, if I don't mow my yard, a daggum forest is going to, you know, grow, mm -hmm. out, right? And so I got to mm -hmm. keep my yard mowed, right? Mm -hmm. And so once you get out of the chair, you got to kind of keep monitoring and make sure mm -hmm. that you don't forget what got you there um, and make sure that you're continuing to put pressure on those things. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I think we maybe conclude that with some actionable things for our, our listeners out there again. Right. So again, it doesn't diminish the fact that, you know, you're going to have many different KPIs and metrics out there. But again, to Matt's point about the, his app analogy there, you certainly don't want to be looking at like 16 or 17 different metrics on a regular basis. That's just going to be more confused and a little bit delusion. Uh, so I always tell people that what I like to focus on when I'm looking at my practice as a, you know, the 30,000 foot view, so to speak, and making sure the practice is rolling well. I'm looking at total hygiene visits, right? I'm looking at the value of each hygiene visit, what the actual hygiene production I got of that was. Then I'm also looking at the treatment acceptance by my doctors. Okay, that's number three. Okay. And the fourth one is just is something you guys probably all want to know. Yeah, I'm tracking production. I'm tracking, sure. but I'm tracking adjusted production. Yeah. So this is what I want to clear up right now. The last thing I'll finish with. For those who are tracking your gross production and talking about how great that is, you're puffing out your chest. Let's be honest, that's fairy tales, right? That's not the real number. Be, uh, be aware of the fact that your adjusted production is the number you need to be tracking because that's what goes into the bank. That's what pays your, your, your payroll. That's what pays your bonuses. That's what takes care of your people. And so those are the kind of things I make sure at the end of the day that when you are looking at those numbers, that's important to track as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's really actionable. Hey, it's been a great topic, Seth. Thanks for your time and your insight on it. Uh, and uh, I hope folks will take this to heart uh, and take some of that actionable inf information and, and go to work on it. You betcha. All right, guys. Hey, um, thanks again. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.